Merry Christmas. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure if this introduction is going to go according to the way Ron wants it to go or not. Well, to go, that's not the way I want it to go. Oh, okay. But as I normally do, I send a little note. I said, if you want me to just say something, I'll say something off the cuff. If you will give me some valuable information I can use, I'll be glad to do that. Therefore, this is what he wrote. It was a dark and stormy night on November 18th, 1937. The world was waiting for someone to bring hope to the millions. Millions who were unemployed, hungry, and without hope. With the next baby born, bring that hope to the hopeless. Then Ron was born. There was a groan heard around the world. Nope, he's not the right one. Welcome, Ron. He's going to tell us about the right one, maybe. Well, good morning, you crazy people. You obviously thought Tom Knight or Rusty Gordon was going to speak today. Sorry. Uh, Sue Waite sent out her email, and the, I hope I have my notes here, um, that the lesson today is the innkeeper. The innkeeper. That's a noun. Someone who rents rooms out by the day, by the week, and maybe by the month. I've been told there are some places that rent them out by the hour. I have no personal experience with that. That concludes my lesson on the innkeeper. I will add something, though, to that. It has nothing to do with rooms by the hour. When the Bible, in the Bible it says that there is no room for the baby, for the, for the couple. The word, the Greek word means guest room. The same word was used when Jesus told the two disciples to go prepare the room for the Passover meal, guest room. So was there an innkeeper? I don't know. I don't really care, frankly. Um, too many other things to, to talk about. This season we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, December 25th. Well, it's not a, as a shock to you, I'm sure, that Jesus was not born on December the 25th. We're not celebrating his birth 2013 years ago. He wasn't born then. He may have been born, but he wasn't born in that year. People make a big deal about the 25th being a pagan holiday for numerous uh, pagan religions, the big one being the mother of the sun god. And after I got that Friday, I stopped reading. It doesn't really matter. The key point is Jesus was born. Back in my searching years, I can remember reading articles and people were saying that, well, really, yeah, there are a lot of Jesus' names, boys named that, and that doesn't mean it was the, the, the Jesus that's re- referred to in the Bible. No one says that anymore. There's, I don't think there's any naysayer out there that says the Jesus who was uh, crucified, not going to get into the resurrection, he, he lived. And that's the important point. So today, forgive me, Sue, uh, I'm not going to talk about the innkeeper. I'm going to talk about the Christmases and how we celebrate them. First, I want to talk about the Christmas of the 20th century, 21st century, how we celebrate it. Then I want to go back in time and see how the first Christmas came about. Now, Christmas is a happy time for some people. For others, it's not, not so, not so happy because of unable to have family members come by to visit because of travel, because of distance. It's nice that someone comes from Paris to be with family and daughters come and visit. That's great. 
Other times, it's again, it's a sad time because of lost, lost friends, lost loved ones. But it's still a happy time <clears throat> for most of us. So happy, in fact, that we get anxious, we get upset, we get a little testy with our spouses. Oh, I know, you're all saying, well, we never get tested. <laughs> We've done this so many times, we have no problems at all. Of course you do. <laughs> but there's a lot going on. You know, we've got the Christmas trees, we got the lights on, on the uh, on the bushes, we got lights in the trees, we got, uh, we don't see mistletoe anymore. It might have something to do with your ages. I don't know, I hope not. <laughs> I sincerely hope not. You have wreaths. We have the buying of gifts, the wrapping of gifts, the returning of gifts, because it was the right, we realized it wasn't the right one, and we blame the other person for doing that, even though the wife gave us that size, but that's not an issue here since she's not here. And then we have the cooking, and the baking, and all of that that goes on. And we send out Christmas cards, and we send out, send out pictures, and we send out letters. For those of you who get my letter, you're not getting one this year, the last one was it. I got tired of it. No, I, lo- I used to love doing it. I type it as, I, you know, that was it. But it was I was laughing. I was having a good time. Last year, you haven't been that funny. And if it's not funny and I'm not having a good time, then it is all about me. <laughs> I stopped. But there was a cartoon that I saw, I don't know, eight years ago, nine years ago. And don't take offense at this. If you want to, that's fine. Uh, but please don't. The cartoon showed a beautiful room. Huge Christmas tree. Gifts all around the, the Christmas tree, probably three feet high. All the garland, um, candles, and so forth. And there's a little boy. He's standing there, and he looks it up at his mother. And he says, Mommy, where's Jesus? The mother's reply. Well, son, we just had so many wonderful gifts, we didn't have room. But Jesus is behind the tree, along with the animals and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. So we'll bring Jesus out once we get done with all the presents. You're going to be so happy with all the gifts we've got. Well, I will admit, I have put Jesus in the corner on a few Christmases, more than I would care to admit. Uh, we never had a nativity scene. Why in God's name we have one now, I don't know, because we don't celebrate Christmas in our, well, we celebrate it, but we don't, with the family. We go over to one of the daughter's house and let her go through all this, the trauma and <laughs> making sure the bathroom's clean and all the things that people do. But we have one now. If we had one back then in those years, I'm sure it would have been in the closet that we never go into, or up in the attic. And my point here is, and there is one somewhere, is we get upset with people who who don't like to hear Merry Christmas. They don't like the Christmas holidays when the the schools get get let out. They'll take Happy Holidays. In fact, some of these people, and I've known a few, they actually give gifts to their their kids, the ones that feel left out. But they don't have Jesus involved in any of it. So tell me the difference between that family and, say, my family, when Jesus was, uh, let's say, I must say he wasn't present. Jesus is present. We just didn't acknowledge him. There really isn't any difference. If some stranger walked in, what name can I use? The Jacobies. No one here is named Jacoby. And they're secular, have nothing to do with, with Christmas. And they see how they celebrate it. And they see the Peterson household in some of those years. Oh, must have the same religion. <coughs> and that is a sad commentary, folks. That is a sad commentary. We've all seen postcards of the first Christmas, the nativity scene. There's Joseph. First thing you see him is because he's tall, manly looking guy. He's, he's in charge. I, I did this. This is where I, you know, not sarcastic here, but he's a tall, good looking guy. Looks like a Swede. 
<laughs> and he's in control. He looks nervous. You know, it, it, I can imagine his face going back and forth between being happy and, and relieved and this is good to, I now have a child. What am I going to do? I remember that first child. What am I going to do? Um, and then the next thing, you, next person you see is Mary. She's always either sitting or kneeling by Jesus. Usually has her hand on the feeding trough or the manger and looking very serene. And there's the uh, alabaster is white, isn't it? Yeah. A very alabaster Jesus in the uh, trough with very white cloth wrapped around it. So that's the postcard. That's the picture we see. Our manger scene is somewhat like that. So I want to read something to you. And shoot, I don't have my glasses. Hang on. Oh. It doesn't belong to me. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good. This is not being recorded, so I won't be sued by Mr. Malone. It's on. Okay. I may damage things, but I very rarely destroy them. <laughs> Notice the key word was rarely. I'm going to read from uh, Luke chapter 2. You know this better than I do. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, them being the shepherds, plural. There's more than one. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people, even them, those people we don't like, came for them. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. He, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great host appeared and glory to God in the highest. So I want you, want you to take a trip with me back over 2,000 years ago to the Judean hills outside of Bethlehem. We've arrived just after the good news that the shepherds have heard. They're excited. They're talking. This is the beauty of imagination and, and uh, goofiness. We can we understand what they're saying. They're going back and forth to one another saying, Did you see what, did, did I really hear that? Did I see what I saw? And finally one of them comes to their senses and says, Well, let's go find this baby. So we're going to follow them. Now, they're leaving their sheep, but it's December. Temperatures run between 35 to 45 degrees. It's a nippy evening. So I imagine the sheep feel like they're not about to, the shepherds feel like the sheep are not about to go anywhere. Staying warm, all cuddled up with each other, with, against each other. So the shepherds take off, and we're following them. Nothing personal class, but I can just picture someone in the crowd saying, well, I hope there's a Starbucks in Bethlehem. <laughs> someone else, Starbucks, I want to have your coat. And then that one plaintive cry, which we all wanted to say is, they do have indoor plumbing, don't they, in this town? Because <laughs> as we get older, our priorities tend to change. Not all of our priorities, but there are a few key ones that we do change on, and that's clearly one of them. So we're following the shepherds. We don't go down the main street. There was a main street in Bethlehem. They're going around behind the houses because in a manger, animals, it has to be behind the house where most of the animals were kept. So we're walking along. It's very dark. It's a beautiful night. Stars are out. And then we see a light off in the distance. Not too far. So we start to walk following the shepherds and we get to this house dwelling and there's a, a um, some rocks, stones, uh, pieces of uh, limbs from trees that make a kind of a corral so the animals can't get out. And inside we see some people. The shepherds take away some of the limbs and there's a walkway and we go in. Well, before we go in, I say, look out, look out. And I swear, after saying look out, 
Dale has to go and step in it, and then he says it. Now, there's always one person that won't listen. It was you that night. So Dale has to go off to the side and clean his shoes, and the rest of us go in, and there we see Joseph. Now, this is not the Joseph of the Christmas card. This is not a guy who's 5'10", 5'11", 6 feet, whatever. He's 5'6", he's 5'7". He's got a darker complexion than, than, the, than the Christmas card. And you look at him, and he's, well, let's just say it. He's kind of grummy, grimy. Hands are dirty. He's got dirt under his fingernails. And his clothes, bottoms are all ragged and dirty. Uh, and it smells in this place. And it's just not the animals. I mean, this, is, this, this is kind of a rank place. I can hear the clips coming open now with his hand sanitizers. And people are doing one of these things. God forbid we get a germ on our hands. So, looking at him, then we see Mary. I mean, you're looking at a little girl, you think, what is she? It's like seeing a cop when you're 45, you think, that cop has to be in high school. What's he doing? It's amazing how our our, our perceptions change of, of what people, their age. But she looks like she's ninth grade, maybe even eighth grade, 10th grade. And she has a very pleased look on her face. She's relieved. And again, just like the Christmas card, she's got her hand on the baby, and there's the baby. This baby is not alabaster white, or darker complexion. And as we come close, strips of cloth that are binding the baby, they're not white either. They're dingy, kind of gray. <clears throat> now this is the baby that came down as God in, in the form of Jesus, God incarnate. What is wrong with this picture? You got a guy over here who's going to be the father, who, kind of, well, he's a day laborer. We know that just from looking at him. He's, he's not anybody of, of import. He's not a manager anywhere. He doesn't have his own business. He's a day laborer. And there's Mary. He's a teeny bop. No offense, Lord, but come on. This is this is what's going to raise Jesus. And as I was thinking about this, <clears throat> I thought of you. Most of it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, why would God go to Mary and Joseph to be the parents of Jesus? Why not the Copelands? Why not the Hamiltons? Even the guy who's got his dirty shoes, the Zerks, why not them? I mean, if you got somebody who was middle class in those days, and I think uh, James and uh, John were middle class, they, they, they had employees, their father must have had a couple of boats, they would have been considered middle class. If they'd have got somebody who was a merchant, but went for a banker in those days, Jesus would have been born with, he didn't have the right clothes. He'd have been sent to the, to the best rabbi around. He would have been with people who, they would have, he would have known where the bread on the plate and which plate had the salad. And he would have known which fork to, to use. He would have known which wine glass had the red wine and which glass had the white wine. He would have been with the important people. Now, I solved the wine problem. I got rid of all the different kinds, and we had one kind. But that gives people something to talk about when they leave their house. Our house tells you what kind of people those are. But think about that. So why didn't he use someone more, for lack of a better phrase, us? Because, brothers and sisters, no one has any tomatoes here, do they? Okay. We have a tendency to want to take control. And I've seen it. You are good deed doers. We want to move things around. 
We're going to make it better. We're going to move this over here, move that up there, move that down there, make a bigger hallway here. We'll put paintings there. We'll push this up and raise the ceiling, move out the certain. We just want to take control and we're going to make it better. And when we do that, human nature being what it is, you see what I did? This really looks nice. Look at this room. Look at that tree. If you look back in what the Bible, how it reflects what the people that God uses, kind of a slap in the face, folks, but it's not usually us. It's the down and outer. It's a, it's, a, it's a woman of dubious past. It's a person who comes from an area that Jesus would not normally even want to get near. The Samaritan woman. He spends time with her. He has a tax collector. The scum of society as a buddy. So where do we come in and all that? And I'm going to not answer that question because um, we do good things. We, we try to be nice people. Nice doesn't get it, but you know what I'm saying. We, we, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. We want to, we get along, we help people, we do what we can for others with particularly the time you people spend and our monies, where we set our, our, our what we think is important, the cash. And I don't mean to be too harsh on this because you are good deed doer people, but it's amazing the people that God chooses to use. People who will not take any credit and you take Job, the day laborer, he can look this far. That's all he's got. If he doesn't work today, they don't eat. If he doesn't work tomorrow, they're going to get hungry. He depends on God. He listens to God. He did what God said. Mary did the same thing under very, what I would think, shocking circumstances. God uses everybody. But it's amazing to me how often he uses the down and outers. And I confess there are times I've walked down a street and I see some guy and I'll think something unchristian. But that's the person that God goes to. That's the person that God uses. And this sounds like a a downer. I don't mean to be that way. Because that shows you how loving our God is. God came down to be a helpless baby. To be raised by a little lady, little girl, and a day laborer. Because he wanted them to take somebody that he knew would do the things that he wanted them to do. And they would be obedient. We are obedient. I'm not saying we're not. But when you got a day laborer and a little girl, I don't see a whole lot of pride in that. Uh, I don't mean to be sarcastic or elitist about saying that. But they're so thrilled just to have what they have. Um, so, I'll read this again. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. That keeps coming back to me about, it's not just us. I always use the term, I help, I'm trying to be funny, but really it's kind of comes out sarcastic. Them. But God comes for all the people. And I always refer back to my searching days. That was the one thing that grasped me about Christianity. None of the other faiths have that. God comes to us. God, Jesus knocked on the door. If we turn the TV down, you just might be able to hear it and answer it. By the TV, I mean the day, the events that we get involved in. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So when you're opening your presents on Christmas Day, take a moment. doesn't have to be long. Don't keep Jesus up in the closet like I, like I did on several Christmases. Give, us, give, give, give thanks for what Jesus has provided for us. Not only the way we're supposed to live our life, but thank you, Lord, for taking the, the pain, the punishment, the sins that we've committed and that we so justly deserve to be punished for. Jesus took that. Now that, brothers and sisters in Christ, is what, what I would call the Christmas present. Amen. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord God, uh, Whatever words we use when we come to you seem so trite, so redundant, because we say the same thing over and over again. Forgive us our inability to express ourselves, but the good news is, Lord, you know our thoughts, you know 
you know our wants, you know what we're asking for. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless this class, our church, and our country. We ask that you would be with those who are hurting over lost loved ones, people who need jobs and so forth. Lord, in this special season, let us always remember that you humbled yourself to come to earth to show us how to live. Thank you again for all for this wonderful blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I didn't bring them. I'm going to eat one, but I didn't bring them. That's a, that's a tricky chord down there. I know. We got a, yeah. Thanks, Ron. And uh, <clears throat> you started out and made an interesting comment. I'm glad that you noticed that too, Ron. That you, the changing in Christmas things and everything, we don't notice much mistletoe. And I keep looking for it, but I can't find it. Oh, <laughs> oh in the tree. Okay. Well, there's a candy cane on the chairs this morning, and it just it during the Christmas time and everything. I just came across a little card that uh, my daughter actually brought this home from school one day, and that's great to think that they would bring something like this home from school. So, that, but anyway, I got to thinking about this, and I thought, you know, that made, this time of year and everything, we need something like that. So, I'm going to kind of review the uh, why the candy cane makes us think of Christmas. The shape reminds us of the shepherd's staff. Jesus is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. John 10:14. The stripes remind us of his sacrificial love. By whose stripes ye were healed. 1 Peter 2:2. 2, 2. The white makes us think of his purity. We shall see him as he is, even as he is pure. 1 John 3:2. The red signifies his blood. Without shedding of blood is no remission of sin, Hebrews 9.22. The peppermint flavor reminds us of the spices brought at his birth in Matthew 2.11 and used in his burial, Matthew 15.1. As we break a candy cane to share it with others, let us remember his body given for us, Luke 22.19, and share the story of his love, Matthew 28.19. So that's just a little review of the why the candy cane is as it is. So with that, Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.